Hi, everybody. It's Busy from Busy Living Sober. Busy Living Sober. It's March 1st. I'm actually going to air this on March 2nd. And here I am back. I said I'd be back in March. And here I am in March. And I'm back. Whew. It's been a six weeks. It's been six weeks. Have you missed me? I've missed you. So what has it been like and what has happened? What has transpired? A lot, a lot in that six weeks. Wow, I can tell you this. One thing is I'm sober, thank freaking God. That's all I can say. I'm sober, thank God. You know, life is not easy. Anyone who says it is lies, um, it's not easy. Um, it's been really Good things have happened and bad things have happened in the past six weeks. Let's see. Should we start with the good or start with the bad? Let's see. I, um, so we moved and first off, we're in a pandemic, which is insane. So I've been living, we've all been living through this pandemic and it's almost been a year. Like it was, I think it's like coming days away, weeks away from the year marker of when we all got locked down in our houses. So that has already been hard, right? We all have to agree that it has been a difficult time, right? It's been difficult. And we've been locked in our houses and we don't know. Thank God now there's a vaccine. We had an election. That was insane. Everything's been insane. So we decided to move and we moved north of where we're living. I'm not going to give my exact location. Well, maybe I can. I'm on Amelia Island. I can tell you that. I'm on Amelia Island, which is an island in the Atlantic Ocean in Northern Florida. And we came here because I was going crazy. COVID was making me crazy. The landlord that, um, that I rented the house from was whatever. I can't go into that, but let's just say that life was beyond anything I could handle anymore. So I looked to JF and I said, where are we going? You're my captain, which was hard. Um, you know, I was a single mom for a very long time. I was single for what, 14 years. I didn't get married till three years ago. And I have to say to go and say, all right, you're my captain, you're in charge. And I'm going to stand by whatever you're going to say was really hard, but I had to do it. It was like, I couldn't make a decision. I was like, I can't say yes. I can't say no. I can't make any choices. So I'm just going to say, it's all on you. You go decide and I will go wherever you decide for us to go. So we came here and it's been good. It's been good. It's, um, we're here. I'm, you know, I've got boxes all over the place, but it's all coming together. So that is a good thing. That is a good thing. And I've realized the community I live in, I feel like is like Mayberry. It's beautiful. There's lots of birds, lots of wildlife, including alligators. Yes. We walked the dogs and there were alligators everywhere and big alligators and little alligators. I'm getting outside, which has been fabulous for my head because I know that exercise is a big component to staying sober and for my mind to be clear and for my mind to feel like I'm making good choices and it's all about the healthy thing right it's like mind body and spirit and I hadn't been taking during COVID I don't know how many people can relate to this but I just did not feel like working out I saw these people that were like working out in their kitchens and doing all this crazy stuff that was not me I kind of went on shut down. I was like, I didn't understand what was going on. I still kind of feel like it was like the twilight zone, but anyway, but being able to get outside where I live right now and being safe and having walkways and there's a beach and it's very nice for my head. It gets me out of my head. I get outside. I'm with the dogs. I am, um, 
it's been a really, really, really good thing. I am enjoying the walking around outside and being in nature. It is um, a definite mind clearer and it's free. Okay, it's free. All I have to do is walk outside. I just walk outside, walk down the street, walk on the beach, go walk on this green space behind me. And, um, and it's been, that's awesome. That has been awesome. So I have that here. So that was the move and the move was crazy and deciding where we were going to go and what we were going to do. And when you have options, sometimes options aren't that great. I don't think, I think when you have too many options, it's scary. I'd rather have like A or B. It's like when you go to the paint stores, you're like, can I have a white? And there's like, well, there's 80 whites. And they're like, well, I just wanted one white. So that was um, really letting go of control. And that was, you know, it's kind of interesting because we're in step three. If you're in the program or um, if you've gotten sober and you've tried the steps or anything, it's step three is um, letting go. And letting go as an alcoholic is a really hard thing. I think letting go as a human is a hard thing. And I had to let go. And I had to say, okay, whatever you decide, I'm going with it. I was scared because I didn't want to leave where I was because I had made a huge, great group of friends and it had been an amazing experience. And I was so sad to be leaving there, but he didn't want to stay there. So I had to do what my husband wanted to do. And I relinquished all control. And I said, you're my captain, captain, my captain, show me where you want me to go. And this is where he wanted us to go. And luckily for him, it's a good spot. <laughs> I'm just saying that because the ladies that are out there, men that are out there listening, you get it, right? You get it. You're like, I just gave this control to somebody. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I like this control. So I did the control thing. I let go. I gave it to JF. JF drove us. Here we are. And that was good. So that was something that I dealt with, which was very emotional and very hard. And um, during this move, so we had planned to move and I got notified that my mom was really, really, really sick. And she had been sick for many years. Um, she had had two lung transplants. The second lung trans transplant had not gone well. And um, my family's got so much insanity around it. It's just crazy. But so my mom was really sick and she was getting worse. And they said that, um, that she was going to, that she, you know, was leaving the hospital and she had decided that if, that she didn't want to be resuscitated, she wanted to be on hospice. And, um, I finally have identified what it is I have with my family and it's called estrangement. I'm estranged from my family. I've never talked about it on the podcast and the reason I'm talking about it now is because I think I have to. Um, I thought for a really long time that there was something wrong with me. I'm like, my family doesn't like me. My family hates me. I don't fit in with my family. See, there's a lot of drinking in my family and there's a lot of other sort of, uh, I don't want to get into it, but you know, stuff that I don't feel comfortable with. And my family of origin, I had to separate from when I got sober. And I'd separated from my family when I was 13 for about five years. And then I, I got back together with them. But then it's always been, I've always felt a little different. I've always felt like um, I don't fit. So rather than getting involved or anything, I walked away. 
and I walked away a long, long time ago. And I would get, I would get back to, with my family for a time. And then in the end, something would happen and I'd leave again. And um, it's hard to be estranged from your family. It's a hard thing considering society says all the time, you should be a part of your family. You watch these hard Hallmark movies or even regular movies. And they talk about how, you know, this family's so great and they came together and all this wonderful stuff. I don't have that story. Um, I, uh, so I found out my mom was sick and I was in, I was actually here visiting this house that we ended up getting and we were closing on this house. And uh, I was up in the middle of the night and I went on the computer and I Googled, what does it mean when you don't talk to your family of origin? What is that called? And it's called estrangement. I'm estranged from my family. That's what it's called. I'm estranged. Um, I, I know I'm not the only one now. I, I, when I read about it, it's like kind of an epidemic. I don't want to say it's an epidemic, but a lot of people are estranged from their families, but I thought I was the only one. I had ne never, no one had ever really talked about it and called it anything. I didn't know it had a name. It's kind of like alcoholism. It's like when you're an alcoholic and you're like, nobody has this. I'm the only one that has this. I'm the only one that drinks, falls down, hates myself. And then when you go and you ask for help, you find out there's so much help all over the place to help you. And um, so I, um, I'm strange from my family. And when my mom got really sick and they wanted me to go, I, I, I was gonna go and see my mother before she passed. And it wasn't in my best interest. And in fact, it probably wasn't in their best interest, my family's best interests. I mean, for one, COVID. I knew that I could get tested here and I could go to Philadelphia and I could get tested there and it still might come up negative, but I could be carrying the gene. And I didn't want to put anyone in that position because I just, everybody, there's some people that aren't well in my family. So I just did not want to put my, I just didn't want to do that. I couldn't, if somebody had gotten sick because of me doing something, I would have, it would have been horrible. So I did not want to do that for number one. Number two, when you're in an estranged family and you have weird relationships with people in your family and you don't feel welcome and you walk in, it's kind of like walking into an ambush. You're like, am I going to walk into this situation that is very hostile and I'm not armed and I don't have an army, you know, battalion behind me. I don't have a bunch of armed guards around me. And um, so it wasn't safe for me to go. And um, I talked to my priest. I talked to my sponsor. I talked to my friends. I, you know, ran it past a lot of people. I asked a doctor if I should go. They all said no. So I didn't go. And um, so my mom passed away and I didn't get to say goodbye. I had written her a letter a long time ago saying goodbye because again, I was estranged. I had to take myself away from my family because I didn't feel safe there. You know, I got sober and, and uh, when you get sober and you change the narrative and you change something, and especially if your family is drinkers or partiers and you change, it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. It makes a lot of people, mm, no, I'm not going to talk about what it makes other people feel. I'm going to tell you what it makes me feel like. It made me feel like I did not want to go walk into a situation where I may be tempted to drink, even though I don't feel like drinking at all. But 
I need to take care of me and I need to set boundaries for me. And as crazy as society says that you're supposed to be one way, you're supposed to act one way, your family's supposed to look one way. And um, my family doesn't look like that. And I don't feel like I'm one of the members of my, I just don't feel like it. I just don't, I feel like an outcast. And people say, well, it's because you're a snob and you're snob. I'm, I'm not a snob for anybody who is out there who really knows me knows that I'm not snobby at all. Um, I love my fellow man, like nobody's business or I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Um, in fact, I thought I'm not going to do this podcast anymore because what if they hear me and they say something to me and they hurt my feelings? They've already done things on social media to um, hurt me. And, um, and somebody said, well, you're not going to fight back and I'm not going to fight back. I'm just going to take my ball and go home and, um, I'm not going to engage, but it's tough. It's tough to be the one that's decided to estrange yourself from your family. When you've taken yourself out of society, your family and said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I've got to take care of me. I can't worry about this. Um, it's hard when you do that. At least for me, it's been hard. It's been hard to say, uh, it's hard to say I can't, I'm not comfortable doing this and I'm not going to do this anymore. It's very difficult. It is very difficult to take care of yourself. And when you get so, when one gets sober, it's so it's not selfish, but it's selfish. You've got to decide who you can hang out with and who you can't hang out with. And when you drank like I did, so I probably might not be living today if I hadn't gotten sober. That's the way I drank. I was a blackout drinker. I don't remember many years. I don't remember parking my car. I don't remember a lot of stuff that happened to me when I was drinking. I had, people would say, just have one. Well, I'd have one and then I'd want another one and another one and another one and another one and another one. I just never stopped. I did not have a, I don't have a stop button. I don't stop when I start. I keep going and I keep going and I keep going. And um, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I had, I have kids and my kids are really young and I needed to stop. I needed to stop drinking. And when I stopped drinking, I remember I went to a therapist and I talked about this before. And if you, if this, if you're bored of hearing it, I'm sorry, but here it goes. So when I quit drinking and I went and saw a therapist and I went and I saw her and she said, how do you feel? And I said, what do you mean? How do I feel? Do you mean cold or hot? There were no adjectives to describe my feelings. So I had to learn what those feelings were. Those feelings of like, <sighs> I know when my sister called to tell me that my mom was sick and that she was getting the, um, one of my siblings called and said, mom's really sick. We're, they're going to do something. I was on the phone and I started breathing really heavily and I started going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And all I wanted to do was smoke a cigarette. I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Why am I feeling like this? And I looked at my daughter and I'm like, what is it that I'm feeling? She's like, mom, you're having a panic attack. I had no idea. That was just like a month ago. I was totally having a panic attack. I had no idea what a panic attack was. I'm 52 years old. I had no idea what it felt like. Um, so I had a panic attack and I never knew any of these feelings. So, you know, I, so learning feelings was something huge. I know I had a feeling when I was first getting sober and I was dealing with my family of origin and 
I, all I wanted to do after I dealt with them was go to a dark bar and get a dirty martini and a pack of smokes. I was like, that's all I wanted to do. I couldn't stand the feelings I was having. I felt sad. I felt like nothing. I felt belittled. I felt like I didn't have a voice. I felt like I meant nothing. I felt that all of my entire self was nothing. I had all these horrible, horrible feelings and it was exhausting and it was scary as shit because all I wanted to do was drink. And I said to my therapist, what am I supposed to do? And she goes, you're supposed to divorce your family. And I was like, divorce my family, really? And that was the first time someone had gave, given me permission to divorce my family. And I did divorce my family and I didn't talk to my family for 10 years, 10 years. Because I knew that I couldn't handle being around them and not, not smoke. I couldn't smoke. I've got kids. I shouldn't smoke cigarettes. I shouldn't smoke cigarettes. I've got children. I got to stay alive for them, even though sometimes I do like to smoke cigarettes, but I shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. And that was driving me to drink. Then drinking, I mean, drinking is a big part of my family and I couldn't pick up a drink. So I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe going there. So I was like, I can't go. I can't go. And um, some people might want to judge me as bad, but that's what I had to do. Um, I don't regret it. I wish things were different, but they're not. And I can't go back and change what it was. I have to accept it. I have to move forward in my life. I have to um, stay sober um, another day. I have to be there for fellow alcoholics. Um, I have to be there for my kids. I have to be there for my friends. I want to be a better, better member of society. I can't pick up a drink because if I pick up a drink, um, I'm not going to have a home. I'm not going to have a husband. And I can't imagine what my kids would think of me then. Um, so I have to do everything in my power to make sure that I stay steady. I talk to people. I reach out to people. I... I listen, which is something I never knew how to do. Uh, I listen when I call and I get advice and I ask my therapist and I ask my, my, my priest, who's my really good friend, my, you know, the reverend at my church. I, I talk to him. Um, I talk to people that have what I want and it's serenity and peace. And I never got to that place with my mom that I could say, I feel okay being around you. I could be around my mom, but I couldn't be around my siblings at all. And they were all so enmeshed that I had to just walk away from the whole group. It was, there was no option of just being with my mom by myself. It, that wasn't going to happen. It, it was, um, for better or for worse, that was what it was. And I have to accept that that was the way it was supposed to be. And um, I can't sleep very well at night. I think about it a lot. Um, I don't drink. I write a lot. I write a lot. I write before I go to bed, what's on my mind, what's bothering me, what bothered me in that day. I've had to take other steps that I wish I didn't have to take. Like I'm not, I just, I, I, I just can't deal with my family. I just can't. And now even more. So I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to reach out. I can't reach out anymore because it's just, um, it's not healthy for me. And again, that feels so weird to say out loud and to admit to people. I mean, this doing this podcast today was going to, I knew I've been like dreading it because I'm like, I have to get honest with my listeners. This is what I deal with. I'm estranged from my family. I've been estranged. Um, do you relate to that?
it's really a weird, uncomfortable thing to be estranged from your family, especially when we live in a society that's all about the family, football games, apple pie. I'm from the Midwest. That's what you always would think. Like you've got a nice family, you live in a nice house. You must all get together and we don't. Um, I'm trying to change the narrative with my children and have something different. Um, I'm there for my kids 110%. And I'm sober. And that was the most important thing for me was that I had to get sober. I had to get sober. I had to take care of my kids that I had given birth to myself. I had to do that. And that meant making some tough choices along the way that might not be political. I don't know if they're politically correct, what they are, that it just is. That's what I had to do. I had to walk away. I had to make a choice that was better for me and my family. And it's I'm not proud of it at all. In fact, it's hard. It is so hard, but it, it actually felt so good to say, oh my God, this is what's wrong with me. I'm estranged from my family. That is why I don't talk to anybody. I'm not, other people go through this. Other people have been estranged from their family. Other people know what that's like to feel alone when it comes to the holidays and they don't wanna to talk to their family if they don't have family around or they don't feel comfortable going with their family or they've been abused by their family. And it's not abuse, you know, for me, for so long, I used to hear sticks and stones would break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, words I think hurt a lot more than sticks and stones. I think sticks and stones scrapes, they, they heal. Those words that people tell you stay with you, at least they've stayed with me and you play them over in your head over and over and over. I'm not good enough. I'm not this, I'm not that. These words that you were told when you were a child, they, they are in your, like your fibers, they're in your skin, they're in your cells, like these feelings and these thoughts that you've had since you were a little kid take a long time to get rid of. They take a long time. They are like sitting there saturated inside of you. And you're like, how can I get rid of them? How can I get rid of them? It's so hard for me. I like, I remember when I was first sober falling to my knees and going, God, please take these thoughts away from me. Please take these thoughts away from me. Please, 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 please. And they still come back today. I still am like, should I be going on social media? Should I be putting myself out there? Nobody likes me. My family told me they don't like me. They don't like me. I'm weird. I, I you know, I, I'm this, I'm that. I mean, just the things that they've said to me and done to me are so painful that it's like trauma. And to think that I'm going and I'm doing this and I'm putting this out there. The only reason I'm doing it is because I know that other people have been estranged from their families and they probably feel the same way I do. If you're out there and you're listening and you know what it's like to be estranged from your family, it's so hard. And you feel like you're the only one. You feel like you've got like all these things on you, scarlet letters, leprosy, everything, horrible things that are going on with you. You feel like you walk outside of your house and everybody's staring at you and you're there's something wrong with you because that core group that you grew up with in that house were so detrimental to you and your psyche. They didn't love you. They didn't understand you. They didn't respect you. They didn't respect who you were. They didn't cherish you. And we're different. Some of us are different. I'm different. I'm crazy wild in a way. I have a huge heart and it's scary to some. I believe in God. I believe in fairy tales. I believe in all that crazy stuff and I have hope and I don't know why I do. I don't know why I do. I just do. I have hope. I promise. I can't give up. 
I don't know what God blessed me with, with this, but it's different. And I know it. I don't want to be in darkness. I want to be in light. I want to live in hope. I was granted this gift of sobriety and it was like, wow, how did I get this? Because a lot of people don't get it. One of my dear friends and a sponsee of mine lost her husband, her ex-husband of this disease. He was 52 years old, 52. It happens. You know, I've got this, you know, I've got this family that is not, I got, I had to go. I had to go. And it meant I didn't get to say goodbye to my mother when she died. I didn't. You know, I said goodbye to my mom a long time ago when I was a little kid and I wasn't getting what I needed. And you may call me selfish. You may call me self-centered, but it is all I could do to save myself. And I know there's a lot of people out there that feel this way. I had to go on the internet and Google what was wrong with me. You know, I know there's a lot of therapists that work out there with this, but I just, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm finally coming up for air. I am. Um, I'm coming back. I'm doing the podcast. I don't know if you guys like it when I have guests or I don't have guests or if you like it when it's just me or do you like it when it's me and JF or do you like it when it's just me? Or do you like it when I have guests? I have that question. Do you want me to have guests or do you just like it solo? I don't know. I wish you would tell me. Let me know. Will you write to me? Tell me if you like me having guests or you don't. You can just write me an email at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y at busylivingsober.com. And um, tell me if you want me to have guests still or not to have guests. Um, the people, the guests always write to me. I haven't asked anybody to be on, but there's, I, there is somebody I might want to ask to be on. But I, um, I want you to know that you're not alone if you're dealing with estranged family. If you're an alcoholic and you are estranged from your family, I totally understand. I speak your language. You are not alone there. You are not alone. I came up with Sober Not Ashamed because I was so ashamed to be an alcoholic that I said, I'm sober and not ashamed. Um, one of my siblings made fun, made fun, one of my siblings made fun of me this week on social media, said, I'm not sober and I'm not ashamed. I'm so happy for her. Um, I am sober and I am not ashamed and I am estranged from my family and I'm not ashamed. Um, it's painful. It's hard. I talk to my therapist a lot. I, um, I mean, I talk to God a lot. I pray a lot. I pray a lot and I pray cause I don't, I haven't smoked. <laughs> I haven't drank. Um, I've eaten sweets. I walk more than ever because I just want to get out and walk. And I walk with my dogs and um, I don't pick up a drink no matter what. And coming to the realization that what I have and what I've been battling with my family has an actual term uh, felt good. It felt good. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I know other people that have this but I want the people that are out there that may have this to reach out to me, please reach out to me. There was, I just said my email address, but I'll say it again. It's busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y at busylivingsober.com. And please reach out to me and know that you're not alone because this estrangement thing is a game changer. Acknowledging what you have and what it is and that you're not alone and that other people are estranged from their families is a game changer.
it was a game changer for me. And knowing that it's okay, that I made the choice that was right for me, my husband and my kids was the most important. I had to do what was right for us first. And um, sometimes that's a hard choice, but our kids, at least for me, my kids are number one and making sure I'm okay. So if they need anything is number one for me. I, I, I Even though they're adults, I still wanna be there for them. And I wanna be there for my husband. And I wanna be there for my friends. I wanna be there for my sponsees. I wanna be there for, you know, the fellow people that are out there in the world that are battling these horrible things that we are not alone. And right now during this pandemic, it's been a hard time for a lot of people out there, a lot of people. And um, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, send an email, write on a piece of paper, don't send it to anybody. Do something, get it out of your head, get whatever thoughts are out of your head. I've got so many of these, be the change. That's what Gandhi said that, be the change. I'm changing things up for my family. I'm changing things up and I write in these things all the time. I've got journals coming up for my, you know what? I um, I write about it all the time because if I don't write and I don't, if I don't reach out for help and I don't do the things that I know that are gonna make me feel better, I'm not gonna be okay. And it gets you another day and it gets you another day and it gets you another day. And when you are not only an alcoholic, but you're estranged from your family and you've gone through something this big, it's, um, I got to stay close to this. I got to stay close to this. So you're going to be hearing a lot from me. This is not going to be the last time you're going to hear about my family's estrangement. This is probably the first of many. Um, but knowing that you are not alone and that I too have battled this too, this estrangement, and I'm here to listen if you want to talk. And uh, life isn't easy. Life isn't fair. And if anybody told you it was, my mother used to tell me this all the time. God rest her soul. She used to say, Elizabeth, life is not fair. So get over it. And she was right. Life isn't fair. Life isn't easy. But I make choices today that make my life more manageable and my life more easier. More easier. That doesn't even make sense. That wasn't even grammatically correct. But I do things today that work for me. And I didn't know what that was for a really long time. So if you're new and you're just getting sober, uh, if you're in a 12-step program, get a sponsor. And if you don't like that sponsor, find a different sponsor. If you're not in a program, find a friend, find a priest, find somebody that you can talk to and be honest with, because this is game changers. Finding people that aren't going to judge you and that are going to love you for who you are 110% authentically is what you need to find. It's that or die. It truly is. It truly is. Either you find somebody or you die. You either have to find somebody that listens to you and can hear you so you can get these thoughts out of your mouth, out of your head, on paper or in someone else's ear. It's so imperative. It's so imperative. Um, thanks for listening. I am back. I'm back from my sabbatical. I really want to hear what everybody thinks about me having guests because I've got a lineup. I've got people sitting in the queue. It's crazy. I'm like booked till July and August right now. And, um, but I'm thinking, do we really want to get guests on anymore? Should we keep doing the guests or should I just be me? I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. And um, for everybody that sent me messages and said, you missed me, I missed you too. But I definitely needed that little break because as I just mentioned, I've going through a lot of stuff here. Busy's been busy. So reach out. Busy at busylivingsober.com. Um, you can follow me. I am not doing social media anymore, by the way. I'm off Facebook. 
Uh, I, you know, I got the Facebook on there. I mean, you can look it up and you can send me messages on there, but I don't respond. I respond on busy at busylivingsober.com. I am on Instagram, but not very much. I really don't want to do social media anymore, to be completely honest. If you want to reach me, email me. Email me. It's old school. Email me at busy at busylivingsober.com. It's my website, busy at busylivingsober.com. And if you forget that, it's elizabeth at elizabethchance.com. Either way, it's going to get to me. But reach out to me that way, not on social media, because I'm not into social media. It's just a, it, after what just happened to me with my family, I'm not doing it anymore. So um, reach out, know that you're not alone, and uh, I'll be back soon. Take care. And until next time, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye.